0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Tremendous Trifles by G. K. Chesterton Chapter 37 The Shop of Ghosts Nearly all the best and most precious things in the universe you can get for a halfpenny. I make an exception, of course, of the sun, the moon, the earth, people, stars, thunderstorms, and such trifles. You can get them for nothing. Also, I make an exception of another thing, which I am not allowed to mention in this paper, and of which the lowest price is a penny, halfpenny. But the general principle will be at once apparent. In the street behind me, for instance, you can now get a ride on an electric tram for a halfpenny to be on an electric tram is to be on a flying castle in a fairy tale you can get quite a large number of brightly colored sweets for a halfpenny also you can get the chance of reading this article for a halfpenny along of course with other and irrelevant matter but if you want to see what a vast and bewildering array of valuable things you can get at a halfpenny each you should do as I was doing last night I was gluing my nose against the glass of a very small and dimly lit toy shop in one of the greyest and leanest of the streets of Battersea. But dim as was that square of light it was filled, as a child once said to me, with all the colours God ever made. These toys of the poor were like the children who buy them. They were all dirty, but they were all bright. For my part I think brightness more important than cleanliness, since the first is the soul, and the second of the body. You must excuse me. I am a Democrat. I know I am out of fashion in the modern world. As I looked at that palace of pygmy wonders, at small green omnibuses, at small blue elephants, at small black dolls and small red Noah's arcs, I must have fallen into some sort of unnatural trance that lit shop window became like the brilliantly lit stage when one is watching some highly coloured comedy. I forgot the grey houses and the grimy people behind me as one forgets the dark galleries and the dim crowds out of a the theatre. It seemed as if the little objects behind the glass were small, not because they were toys, but because they were objects far away. The green omnibus was really a green omnibus a green Bayswater omnibus passing across some huge desert on its ordinary way to Bayswater. The blue elephant was no longer blue with paint. He was blue with distance. The black doll was really a negro, relieved against passionate tropic foliage in the land where every weed is flaming and only man is black. The red Noah's Ark was really the enormous shape of earthly salvation, riding on the rain-swollen sea. Red in the first morning of hope everyone i suppose knows such stunning instances of abstraction such brilliant blanks in the mind in such moments one can see the face of one's own best friend as an unmeaning pattern of spectacles or mustaches they are commonly marked by the two signs of the slowness of the growth and the suddenness of the termination the return to real thinking is often as abrupt as bumping into man very often indeed in my case it is bumping into a man but in any case the awakening is always emphatic and generally speaking it is always complete now in this case I did come back with a shock of sanity to the consciousness that I was after all only staring into a dingy little toy shop but in some strange way the mental cure did not seem to be final there was still in my mind an unmanageable something that told me that I had strayed into some odd atmosphere, or that I had already done some odd thing. I felt as if I had worked a miracle or committed a sin. It was as if I had at any rate stepped across some border in the soul. To shake off this dangerous and dreamy sense, I went into the shop and tried to buy wooden soldiers. The man in the shop was very old and broken, with confused white hair covering his head and half his face, hair so startlingly white that it looked almost artificial. Yet, though he was senile and even sick, there was nothing of suffering in his eyes. He looked rather as if he were gradually falling asleep in a not unkindly decay. He gave me the wooden soldiers, but when I put down the money, he did not at first seem to see it. Then he blinked at it feebly, then he pushed it feebly away. No, no, he said vaguely. I never have, I never have. We are either... We are rather old-fashioned here. Not taking money, I replied, seems to me more like an uncommonly new fashion than an old one. I never have, said the old man, blinking and blowing his nose. I've always given presents. I'm too old to stop. Good heavens, I said, what can you mean? Why, you might be Father Christmas. I am Father Christmas, he said apologetically, and blew his nose again. The lamps could not have been lighted yet in the street outside. At any rate, I could see nothing against the darkness but the shining shop window. There were no sounds of steps or voices in the street. I might have strayed into some new and sunless world. But something had cut the cords of common sense, and I could not feel even surprise except sleepily. Something made me say, You look ill, Father Christmas. I am dying, he said i did not speak and it was he who spoke again all the new people have left my shop i cannot understand it they seem to object to me on such curious and inconsistent sort of grounds these scientific men and these innovators they say that i give people superstitions and make them too visionary they say i give people sausages and make them too coarse they say my heavenly parts are too heavenly they say my earthly parts are too earthly i don't know what they want i'm sure how can heavenly things be too heavenly or earthly things too earthly how can one be too good or too jolly i don't understand but i understand one thing well enough these modern people are living and i am dead you may be dead i replied you ought to know but as for what they are doing do not call it living. A silence fell suddenly between us, which I somehow expected to be unbroken. But it had not fallen for more than a few seconds, when, in the utter stillness, I distinctly heard a very rapid step coming nearer and nearer along the street. The next moment a figure flung itself into the shop and stood framed in the doorway. He wore a large white hat tilted back, as if in impatience. He had tight black old-fashioned pantaloons a gaudy old-fashioned stock and waistcoat and an old fantastic coat he had large wide open luminous eyes like those of an arresting actor he had a pale nervous face and fringe of beard he took in the shop and the old man in a look that seemed literally a flash and uttered the exclamation of a man utterly staggered good lord he cried out it can't be you it isn't you i came to ask where your grave was i'm not dead yet mr dickens said the old gentleman with a feeble smile but i'm dying he hastened to add reassuringly but dash it all you were dying in my time said mr charles dickens with animation and you don't look a day older i've felt like this for a long time said father christmas mr dickens turned his back and put his head out of the door into the darkness he roared at the top of his voice, He's still alive. Another shadow darkened the doorway, and a much larger and more full-blooded gentleman in an enormous periwig came in, fanning his flushed face with a military hat of the cut of Queen Anne. He carried his head well back like a soldier, and his hot face had even a look of arrogance which was suddenly contradicted by his eyes, which were literally as humble as a dog's his sword made a great clatter as if the shop were too small for it indeed said sir richard Steele, tis a most prodigious matter for the man was dying when i wrote about sir roger de Cowerley in his christmas day my senses were growing dimmer and the room darker it seemed to be filled with newcomers it hath ever been understood said a burly man who carried his head humorously and obstinately a little on one side. I think he was Ben Johnson. It hath ever been understood, Council Jacobo, under our King James and her late Majesty, that such good and hearty customs were fallen sick and like to pass from the world. This grey beard most surely was no lustier when I knew him than now. AND I ALSO THOUGHT I HEARD A GREEN-CLAD MAN LIKE ROBIN HOOD SAY IN SOME MIXED NORMAN FRENCH. BUT I SAW THE MAN DYING. I HAVE FELT LIKE THIS A LONG TIME, SAID FATHER CHRISTMAS, IN HIS FEEBLE WAY AGAIN. MR. CHARLES Dickens SUDDENLY leant ACROSS TO HIM. SINCE WHEN, HE ASKED? SINCE YOU WERE BORN? YES, SAID THE OLD MAN, AND SANK, SHAKING INTO A CHAIR. I HAVE BEEN ALWAYS DYING. Mr. Dickens took off his hat with a flourish, like a man calling a mob to rise. I understand it now, he cried. You will never die. End of chapter 37